pulled and pushed and tugged and directed every hour of the day by the demands of the glowing screen. And in response to that, we're powerless, aren't we? It is highly likely, just, okay, just prepare yourselves, uh, no surprise to some of you, it is highly likely that the collection of tendencies and behaviours currently known as ADHD applies pretty directly to my own tendencies and patterns of thought. I haven't done the TikTok test yet, but I'm not going to bother. There's enough when people talk about it to make me think, oh yeah, that's quite like how I think about the world. And of course, one of the things you say about that, and I can testify to this, and other people that I've spoken with can testify to it, is you're just stuck, that's just who you are. If you're like, ooh, what's that? You know, like immediately you have to go after it. Or if you get obsessed about one thing, you will absolutely hyper-focus on it and nothing can get you out of it until you wake up and you realise, where have I been for the last three days? That is the thing that happens if your mind thinks like that. But even if that isn't your particular collection of tendencies and behaviours, most Christians accept that making time for God or something pious-sounding well, it's something they should do, but basically they can't. Not, not with the life the way it is. There are plenty of people ready to tell us, in fact, that it's impossible for us to get anywhere with being a Christian. We are passive to the constant stream of distraction. So God is going to have to do something. God is going to have to interact and change us. Or else he's just going to have to cope with the fact that we never have time for him. Well, into that we have a psalm. Psalm 86. And his first five five verses. Jesus can teach us attention to God through church. Jesus can teach us attention to God through church. This psalm's unusual in all the psalms. Do you see that little italics bit at the top? It is being described explicitly as a prayer, both Hebrew and Greek. That word actually appears. David, as he's giving this, describes what he's doing as a prayer. That's the thing we find it really hard to make time for or give our attention to, isn't it? Well, this is a prayer that David prayed, learning from prayers that Jesus would pray so we could also pray it. And the big insight of these opening verses is we learn to pay attention to God when we're desperate for him to pay attention to us. We learn to pay attention to God when we're desperate for him to pay attention to us. The point of distractions, and I know because I worked in advertising for a while, is to make us ignore the things that are important, like how much this thing costs compared to how shiny it is. that's, That's the basis of advertising. They're to make us worry or to be troubled, uh, or sometimes they're to make us be distracted from things that are worrying or troubling. But if we are being distracted from something that actually is important, it always comes back. For me, usually just when I'm trying to get to sleep. (laughs) Well, the prayer Jesus teaches us to pray turns all of that stuff that we try to avoid with distractions into the reason to pray. Switching off our constant distractedness starts by saying to God, I need your help. 
Those first verses, when it says, I need your help, there's actually two different words there. It's kind of summarising it, as this version of the Bible sometimes does. David is saying in two different words, I am poor, I am helpless. He describes feeling harassed and weary, not having the resources to manage. We all recognise that, don't we? The reason for us to pay attention to God is the same reason Jesus, through David, asked the Father to pay attention to him. I need help. And the next bit is something that becomes true by saying it. Attention is only possible to direct when we decide to direct it. By definition, we can't give our attention to something while we're paying attention to something else. It's like that. It's like a point. You have to look at someone when they're talking to you. Otherwise, you're looking at someone else when they're talking to you. And that's what makes us poor and needing help. All of us feel like we're constantly having our attention gripped by something that actually we don't want to give our attention to. Constantly being farmed by someone else into money or to keep us from actually what actually matters. But this open to the psalm says there is a positive feedback loop. When we start with help, hear me. Just because we've said that, our attention becomes fixed on God. And then we begin to ask him to protect us and save us from getting distracted again. Then we ask him to get really to work on us bothering with him to begin with, but then also changing all the causes of our distraction in the first place. You can see that in all the requests. Verse three, be merciful to me for I'm calling on you. Give me happiness, O Lord, instead of distractedness. The only requirement for the whole prayer so far is needing help. That's it. So the things that stop us giving attention to prayer or to the living God, it's actually not distraction. It's that we think we can handle the distractions fine. That's what stops us praying. Thinking we're fine as we are and we don't need help is most often the thing that stops us praying like this. Another thing that we can be prevented from praying through. Verse five. We think God won't do anything if we ask. But again, there is a choice. David gives us words to say when we're tempted to think that. He helps us not to think we're managing fine, to ask for help. But also, verse 5, he reminds us the God we are praying to, what he's like. Oh Lord, you're so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. This is true whether we feel like it or not. And in an incredible way, Like when we do choose to give our attention to something, when we say that God is like this from a position of desperation, we discover it to be true in our experience. Maybe not immediately, but here's a challenge for you this week. I think everyone will be able to do it. Pray this psalm when you wake up. Take you about, I don't know, 30 seconds. Maybe a minute, depending if you're a slow reader. Pray out loud. Just, just try it. See what happens. 
See whether you feel more stressed or less stressed. Whether you feel more distracted or less distracted. By definition, when we do this, and that's why I've asked us all together rather than individually, we're not doing it on our own. This prayer comes from the church and is said by the church together. We say it on our own, but we've also, as Terry read it, just engaged with it together. When we say it on our own this week, which I hope you will, we're connected back to all the other people who've said it and are saying it. The more of us say this psalm this week, and then come back next week and say how it went. Oh, I missed, I missed Tuesday because, you know, I slept in or whatever. Or actually, it was really good. I felt better about the day because I started that way. Just when we talk like that, the more we stop feeling it's us on our own against the Twitter mob or the doom scrolling newsfeed. Jesus teaches us to give our attention to God in church. Verse 6 to 13. Jesus will have everyone's attention. After those first five kind of attention-grabbing verses, things shift gear a bit. It shifts to stuff that has already happened. I know it doesn't look like that, verse 7. It says, I will call to you when I'm in trouble. But really, it's a specific day of trouble in mind. I think they've tried to sort of universalise it by saying it's in the future, but it's actually talking about something in the past. And verse 13, we can tell that because the person saying this psalm has been in the depths of death and has been rescued. So clearly there was a worse day. If you're in the depths of death, that's a day of trouble, isn't it? You're not just looking ahead to something that's going to happen. You're looking to something that has happened. And that helps us realise the real context for this psalm. Because whenever you get a single day of affliction in the Psalms, you're pretty much always looking at the cross of Jesus. The tone gets serious because it's talking about the ultimate condensation of human brokenness and broken minds. Pain, slander, injustice, violence, confusion, delirium. That was Jesus' day of affliction. And at that moment, the important thing for him is passed on to us. Verse 8. No pagan god is like you, O Lord. None can do what you do. All the nations you made will come and bow before you, Lord. They'll praise your holy name. For you are great and perform wonderful deeds. You alone are God. The powerful thing about giving our attention to the Most High God is that only that enables all the other things to fall into their proper places. It's not like we ignore them, it's just they're in their right order. We won't lose out on those things that scream for our attention if we pray and ask God to listen to us. If we stand our attention in listening mode to him. Other gods are a thing in the Bible. It happens more often than you think. It, like God is the living God, but other gods exist. They can capture people's attention. We know what that's like, don't we? There are powers out there that are against him. The zeitgeist, how everyone is thinking, is not going to lead us to God. TV that everyone's talking about. Some idea or ideology that seems to grip people and make them behave in particularly unusual ways. Well, that's the stuff in the spiritual world that is clamouring for our attention. 
or really our worship, which is what attention is. Whatever we give our attention to, we're worshipping that. That's what that means. Each nation has different things they're distracting themselves with. But there's only one God who will, in the end, command the attention and worship of the cosmos. The Lord Jesus says this is his Father, and the Father gives all that glory to Jesus, his Son. One day, the church of every nation will be the only people who are paying attention to what really matters throughout history. Because at the end of history, this living Lord God will be all in all. If we deliberately choose to shape our attention towards this final reality now, then verse 13, it means we'll share in Jesus' resurrection from the dead, the realm of confusion and distraction. You notice it says Sheol, if you look at the bottom of the page, or Hades. Hebrews understood death to be a place somewhere that you went if your life kind of collapsed. Because there, nothing is coherent. Nothing lasts long enough to get anywhere. There is nothing to pay attention to. It's constant confusion. The process of having our ability to give our attention to God is in itself being lifted from the confusion and depths of death. We are being led into salvation when we make the hard step to pray today, to go to church this week, to say no to something we want because Jesus commands a different way. Jesus can teach us attention to God in church and Jesus will have everyone's attention. And last, verse 14 to 17. Jesus models attention to God in the midst of distraction. We can see that the cross is in the background even more clearly in this last bit of the psalm. Verse 14, insolent people rise up against me. A violent gang is trying to kill me. You mean nothing to them. Jesus and the saints through history don't decide to pray when they've got nothing else on. They're feeling warm and comfortable, perhaps a little sleepy. They haven't done any really bad sins that morning and there's nothing on the newsfeed. That's not when they pray. (laughs) Prayer always comes in the thick of actual life. One of the best ways that I know of making sure this actually happens rather than remaining a good intention is decide, decide whatever your schedule, decide there's going to be one time a day where you're praying come what may. Even if all it is, is reading something that you haven't come up with yourself, that you found in like a bookmark in your Bible or something. Just say, I'm going to pray that. Or I'm going to pray the Lord's Prayer five times. Or whatever it is, like, it will be worth it. The fact that you've set aside that time every day to do it, even if it isn't like directly kind of, you know, we often think it's more authentic, like we really mean it. And that is a massive enemy because it stops us doing it, doesn't it? It's like, well, I don't really mean it, so I'm not going to do it. Which is better, to say the Lord's Prayer and not really concentrate what you're saying or to say nothing? Like, that's the question we're presented with. If we set aside a time every day where, come what may, however long, I'm going to pray. I'm going to give my attention to God. Then actually, it makes sense of all the mess that we're surrounded by. It actually helps us to cope with that stuff rather than, creating even more difficulty and stress. 
purpose of forcing our attention towards the living God is so we can get through of all that stuff. Verse 17, send me a sign of your favour. It's much more, make me a sign of your favour. Now that he's done this and actually asked God for help, he's asking Jesus and David, show other people that that's worth doing. Make my life different because I've done that. Jesus can teach us attention to God in church. Jesus will one day have everyone's attention. And Jesus models attention to God in distraction. Therefore, to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, be ascribed all the glory, all the power, all the majesty, all the authority, now and always. Amen. Amen.